The following is a hoop bowl presentation. The Hoop Ball Lakers podcast carries the same winning percentage as the Los Angeles Lakers. 889, in case anyone forgot, 24 and 3, tied for the best record in the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks. But it's all about the Los Angeles Lakers, baby, and not just because Kareem Abdul Jabbar shares a bond between both franchises. Welcome in and welcome back. As always, I am your main man, Ethan Noroff, and I am thrilled, as always, to be joined by my main man, JC DeLeon. JC, 24 and 3, Lakers rolling. How you feeling, baby? Feeling really good about that record. It's uh, it's amazing to see. <laughs> it's it's been surreal, and I think the biggest thing that anyone has that could have watched the Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning, and that is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. So on a Sunday where we sit here recording, a lot of people lost their fantasy football playoffs, some won, and we're talking about throwback names that have either burned us or carried us forward in the past. I feel like I had to drop that Andrew Bynum reference on everybody, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. You can find, you, Come on now, you can find us on Twitter, at Lakers. We got the live tweets in-game, we got the content coming for you, we got the podcast dropping, we got every Everybody tweeting from that account. It's me. It's Dan. It's JC. It's Dupree. It's everybody's mom. Not really, but it's the three of us running that account. So you got to hit us over there at Hoopball Lakers. You can follow the Hoopball family at Hoopball Tweets at Hoopball Fantasy. You can follow JC at JC DeLeon1. And you can follow me at Ethan underscore Noroff. But the most important thing is that you subscribe and listen to our pod on the regular because JC, this is work that we do for the people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's no other way to do it. It's a great time to be a Lakers fan, to talk about this team, to celebrate the success, and to feel fully caffeinated, which is why this podcast, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. You can check them out at their website at hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon, or by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, and even on Twitter at HI Kona Coffee. Now, coffee always makes a good holiday gift, especially for very tired teachers at the end of the semester. So if any of my students or their parents are listening to this podcast, because I know y'all know about it by now, please Bless me with the caffeine because I am going to need it to refuel for the second semester. The good news for these Lakers, JC, they look like they're refueled every time they step onto the court. This was a road game against the Atlanta Hawks on Sunday that, yes, the Lakers won ugly once again, but this was a game they easily could have lost after spending time in Miami. Not only a tough game against the Miami Heat, but a tough nightlife in Miami. LeBron going off to see his son Bronny play in Columbus. Then you come into Atlanta where there's plenty to do. There are a lot of distractions around this team, but so far, none have seemed to permeate the culture. And I think that's one of the more impressive things about this group, especially considering how many new faces there are in the mix this year. Yeah, for sure. This team has won different ways. They've won shoot 'em up high-scoring games. They've won defensive grinded-out games. They've come back from deficits. They've dominated wire to wire. They're doing it different ways and with different lineups too, which we've talked about the different the versatility of their different lineups. And so, yeah, they've been they've been exercising those muscles too. 
you know, it's been really nice to see. One of, one of the things that I tweeted after the win against Miami was that something that I said earlier in the season, I wanted to say it again, and that was, look, the Lakers, even when they don't have their A game, they're able to win games ugly. And that is not something we could have said about this team before this year. Whether it's the game against Miami or the game against Atlanta on Sunday, the Lakers clearly did not play their best brand of basketball against the Hawks, let them hang in the game for way too much of it. Although they come away with a five-point victory and although they hold another team to under 100 points, this this is a group that has, you know, I think they have very high expectations of themselves. After the Miami game, LeBron said, yes, I'm happy we won, but I'm not happy with how we played. And I have to think it's the same thing after the Atlanta game. The good news is even when they're find, finding ways to win, they're also finding ways in which they can prove. And to me, that's a quick way to stave off complacency. And complacency is the enemy of progress. And we want this team to keep moving forward, JC. Yeah, Anthony Davis had something really interesting to say. I can't remember if it's the Miami game or the game before where they had to come back from behind another time. And he told basically told the reporter like, yeah, coach said we don't have to we don't have to learn a lesson in a loss. We can still win the game and manage to learn a lesson. And so yeah, you've definitely seen that this team hasn't been too complacent at really at any point in the season. There's a self-driven accountability. Now, of course, that's much easier to put into place when you're led by dominant personality, LeBron James, who sets the tone with not only his play, but his off-court actions as well. But then Anthony Davis has really come in and solidified that. I mean, it feels like these two guys have been teammates for so much longer than just about 30 games now, but the reality is they've been able to play off of each other and mesh together like they've been teammates for the last 10 years, and that has gone a long way toward building the cohesion within the rest of these guys within this group as they all have found their way here. And of course, like any other team, the Lakers have battled injury. The fortunate thing for them, and I'm going to say this sort of tongue-in-cheek, is that none of their key contributors have missed extended time. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because Kyle Kuzma hasn't done a whole lot of anything this season, and the Lakers are rolling on without him. Yeah, he for for all the talk that he was going to be such an important piece, he hasn't really gone off. And yeah, he's battling injuries. And yeah, I mean, it it's, it could be a weird blessing in disguise for the for the future if he's gonna if he's still continuing to develop and can be the piece that we that people envision him to be, but yeah, he's not getting it done this year. And I and I think the the thing is for me when you look at Kyle Kuzma is the same thing that I said at the beginning of this year even before the game started. We know Kyle Kuzma can score and we know he can be an effective scorer with the ball in his hands. But can he do the other things? Can he cut without the basketball? Can he defend? Can he facilitate? Can he bring an effort level to the game when he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much? And I know that everything is sort of contextualized by that foot injury that he had throughout the offseason. It delayed his timeline and now an ankle injury as well. But Kyle Kuzma has not yet shown the ability to do those other things. And I think even when he's been healthy, that's part of the reason his role has sort of been capped on this Lakers team so far. What's your take on that? Yeah, it's one of the things I've noticed. He A hot start is really essential for him to have a great game. Uh, you know, With the exception of the New Orleans game, he had a great fourth quarter. But yeah, he he tends to get in trouble when he he can't pass out, out of out of trouble. He gets 
He goes. He goes on a drive. He gets up in the air. If he's up in the air and it doesn't have a shot, it's it's he almost certainly going to be a turnover. He yeah, forces it constantly. It reminds me of watching D'Angelo Russell in his first couple of years. It's not I'm going to come down the court with the ball in an effort to make the best play for the Lakers. It's I'm going to come down the court with the ball in an effort to make the best play for Kyle Kuzma, mm-hmm. and I cannot stand that approach. Yeah, he he can't create his own shot. If if he was able to before, he certainly can't this season. And yeah, that's yeah. He just gets himself in trouble when he's trying to create his own shot. Conceptually, I think we can all sit here and and say and agree with certainty that Brandon Ingram would have been a better fit on this team than Kyle Kuzma. But I know that that was not an option. A because the Pelicans weren't doing that deal without Brandon Ingram, and B because I know they needed Brandon Ingram's salary in order to make the money work. But for all those people, I'm not going to let this go yet, JC. I'm still on the mountaintop on this one, okay? For all those people who sat here and told me relentlessly last year, Kyle Kuzma is better than Brandon Ingram. Are you still saying that now? Because I don't think that's even possible at this point. Yeah, I I, I think, yeah, Brandon Ingram had a little bit of an off year last year. But, yeah, while he's taking steps forward, Kyle Kuzma seems to not be taking a step back, just standing pat. And and that's a bad place to be for a player who is looking to make a name for himself still. Because remember, this was basically the summer of Kuzma even through the injury, right? He signs with Puma. He tells everybody the Lakers already got their third star. I don't need Kawhi here, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't put Kyle Kuzma third on this team right now. I wouldn't even put him in the top five. No, this is definitely a team where you have your one and two, and the th- three and four is going to be a- – a different player every night based on matchups, based on who's giving the effort defensively. Yeah, there's some nights Dwight Howard's going to be an amazing piece off the bench. There's some nights Caruso's going to be really, really important and score more than he usually is. There's some nights Rondo's going to have a great night. So, yeah, the three and four and five are always going to be different for this team. Look, and the reality is the Lakers are 24 and 3, okay? We have to find some things that we don't like with this team within the greater context of what we do like. And because you just brought up both Rondo and Alex Caruso, I want to go there for a second because just before we sat down to start taping, JC, we were kind of talking about this thing of things to watch with this team as this group moves forward. Now, from here to the end of the year, there is no breathing room for this Lakers bunch. Yes, a tough game in Miami was a good win and a game they should have won at Atlanta was an important one but now you're still on the road for the next two games at the Pacers in Frank Vogel's return the Pacers have been an excellent team even without Victor Oladipo at Milwaukee Thursday that's the game everybody's got circled and scheduled on the calendar got to be home for that one the NBA's best are going head-to-head but then the Lakers come home to play Denver and then the Clippers on Christmas okay the pressure doesn't let up and then from there to end the year the Lakers head to Portland for although they have been underperforming the Trailblazers are a tough group at home and then Luka Doncic comes to Staples Center whether or not he's playing is a different story with that ankle injury but the Dallas Mavericks come back to town and obviously the Lakers just got washed by the Dallas Mavericks not too long ago so you look at this team and could the Lakers be over could could they keep winning absolutely has their road record been impressive absolutely but the tests are going to keep coming so while everyone's sitting here saying hey the Lakers are, are beating quality opponents. There's no question about that. I don't think anyone can suggest this good start is on a cupcake schedule anymore. But the league around them is good. And every night, this is something you and I have talked about a lot off the air. 
every night, JC, whoever is lining up against the Lakers is going to give them their best effort because it mm-hmm. is their Super Bowl and the Lakers are the team that everybody wants to beat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you're on, on the mountaintop, that's what you've got to expect night after night. Especially when you've got both LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team. So we're going to go back to this Caruso versus Rondo conversation because we sat here before the show and we said, here's some things we're, we're interested in watching, the schedule being one of them. Okay, Here's what I'm interested in watching. Uh, Rajon Rondo and Alex Caruso and to a lesser extent Avery Bradley and Contavious Caldwell-Pope because Quinn Cook is out of the rotation at this point. Troy Daniels is out of the rotation at this point. And now Frank Vogel has to figure out how he can manage all these guards' minutes. And I'm kind of wondering, now the Lakers have obviously won their last two games, but I'm just kind of wondering. I'm seeing Alex Caruso playing 10 minutes against Miami, 15 minutes against Atlanta. But on the other side of that coin, I'm seeing Rajon Rondo's minutes in the mid-20s and Avery Bradley's minutes in the mid-20s. And I'm kind of wondering if Alex Caruso should be playing more minutes than either of those guys. And let me be more specific. I'm not wondering. I'm saying <laughs> Alex Caruso should be playing more minutes than either Rajon Rondo or Avery Bradley right now. Yeah, what's keeping Rondo in the lineup for more minutes is his unusually hot start uh, shooting-wise. His He's got a vastly improved three-point shot that it's not sustainable. Right now, it's it's hovering close to 50%, which for Rondo is insane. Uh, and that's going to come back down to earth. And Caruso is uh, an uncharacteristically unchar- unchar- low... I believe it was high 20s, if not low 30s, where last year he was closer to in, closer to 40. And so I think as as the numbers start to tend to get more real, they they might start to even out more. Uh, and and yeah, they do they do bring different things to the table. Rondo runs a really efficient offense. He works really well with uh, with Anthony Davis. He almost gets to give LeBron a break when Rondo is in there because LeBron is not running the offense. He's sort of kind of standing back and. He'll cut when he has to, but mostly he's just going to wait for for Rondo to pass him the ball. So yeah, those are that's kind of the difference I think between the two. Caruso doesn't do a lot stat wise. His stat line is not going to impress you, but he plays great team defense. At least two or three times a game, he's going to interrupt uh, an inbound after a score and get a steal, which is it's crazy when he does that. So yeah, those are the different things they bring. Caruso, not a good fantasy player, but a very good reality player. Mm -hmm. And the Lakers will take that 100 out of 100 times for the construct of this team. But, you know, you bring up a good point about numbers normalizing. And so on that note, I want to bring up a couple of numbers for the Lakers. As I sit here on the NBA.com stats page and I look down and I see, hmm, the Lakers were hitting the three ball to begin the year. And I know that this has been an area of growing concern. And now all of a sudden, 24-3 and three record, the Lakers are just outside the top 10 three-point percentage at 36.1%, actually tied with the Indiana Pacers just behind the Milwaukee Bucks and Portland Trailblazers for a top 10 position. Now, the top team in the league is not one you might expect. It's actually the Detroit Pistons at the time this podcast was recorded, 38.8% for the Detroit Pistons. So there's not a lot of room between the Lakers and the Pistons but enough to be noticeable. I want to talk about that, but the number I really want to talk about, JC, because this has been a constant sort of hindrance for the Lakers over the last several years, is the free throw shooting. The Lakers are down to 27th in the NBA at 73.4%. Only the Pelicans, Bucks, and Knicks are trailing the Lakers. So I think it's interesting that both the Lakers and the Bucks, for as how good and as dominant those two teams have been, are both sitting in the bottom four with the Pelicans and Knicks who are scrapping it out for the number one pick. What do you think about that? 
That is interesting. I wouldn't have thought that about the Bucks. Um, yeah, it's one of my as as a huge fan of LeBron James. It is, it is kind of my you know LeBron fans cross to bear that he's uh, he's not great at the free throw line. It's not great in clutch situations either. He's almost always going to go at least one for two, if not miss you know both of them. Yeah, that uh, it's concerning. <laughs> it definitely it definitely is, and I think the biggest thing is as the Lakers continue to move forward. I think their opponents are going to put them on the foul line a little bit more. And I think they're going to say, look, we want you to earn it. We've seen a couple of teams drop into zones against the Lakers this year. They're going to make the Lakers shoot the three-point shot or find ways to get to the basket. They're not just going to let them sort of rifle through and storm through the paint because the Lakers are a team that does like to score in the paint. Hello, Anthony Davis. Hello, LeBron James. LeBron James had the play of the season, by the way, today in the paint, going through his legs to Dwight Howard for the two-handed slam. That was a thing thing of beauty. I don't even know that it was two-handed slam, but the rim rattled so hard that it felt (laughs) like a two-handed slam. So I'm going to go ahead and call it that. But that was a thing of beauty, speaking about things in the paint. But to get back to the issue at hand, if the Lakers are going to be an average team as a three-point shooting team, and they're going to be a below-average team from from a free-throw shooting perspective, they're going to really have to find ways to get favorable shots from inside the arc. And that's going to come from them packing the paint and shooting it close. And to that extent, the Lakers are actually second in field goal percentage right now in the entire NBA, 48.5%. So they're doing a good job from two. The number one team, the Milwaukee Bucks, 48.7%. So you're seeing a lot of similarities between this Bucks team and this Lakers team, not just in record, but in literally what the numbers say as well. So it feels like there's a reason they're probably the two favorites for the title right now. AJC? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it goes to dispel the, uh, you know, for as much as the Warriors change the game by, you know, revolutionizing the three-point shot. Yeah, things are getting back to back to normal a little bit in the sort of classic classic basketball. No, no question about it. I think that teams more than anything are starting to realize that, yes, the three-point shot has value, and yes, more three-point shots are a good thing, but the most important thing is an efficient and open shot, and shots that are either uncontested or from spots where the players have the greatest efficiency. If you have a player who shoots 60% from 15 feet, and he shoots 30% from 15 feet backwards behind the three-point line, you want him to shoot that first shot, not the second shot. And so while we're sitting here talking about efficiency and things this team does well, some things to watch, some things that we should be concerned about, the free throw shooting, the dip and three-point shooting, the Caruso versus Rondo show. The thing that I really just can't get off my mind more than anything else, JC, is the Lakers and the flow of the game. And, And more specifically, what I mean is not only do the Lakers have a habit of letting teams sort of hang around Right now, obviously, teams haven't been able to beat them on the whole because three losses and 24 wins is any kind of ratio that any team would sign (laughs) up for. That's that's eight wins for every loss. Okay, that's some quick math for you right there. But I think more more what I'm talking about when I say the flow of the game is that the Lakers try to beat their opposition with their style of basketball versus the Lakers style of basketball. So we've seen it with this Lakers group when they play a team that likes to move up and down in transition. The Lakers have the talent to move up and down with them in transition and beat them. But that is not the style of game that the Lakers are best equipped for. The Lakers are a much better team in the half court than a lot of others, and they should be using that to more of their strength. And right now, they're not doing as much of that as I'd like to see for a team that on paper is so dominant. But if that's my biggest complaint, then it's going to be a pretty good year. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think teams that are this good like to showcase that they can win in different ways. And so this is a, this is a team that's got a lot of versatility in their lineups. And so, 
Yeah, it may not necessarily be to their strengths that to try to match the the style of play that they're to their competition, but at the same time, it is one of those things that I think would ramp way down come playoff time because who's got more playoff experience than than LeBron and who can you know kind of get his teammates to to sort of play the way they need to play in the playoffs and so that it it's concerned for the regular season and whether or not they're going to end up with you know home court which is important but i think come playoff time i don't think that'll be i mean i have i mean i have to say that while while we're talking about lebron here the dude has just been unfreaking believable i mean i know he only had a seven assists only seven assists air quotes right <laughs> in the win against atlanta on sunday but this dude has just been night in night out delivering the goods and then some for this Lakers team. You you look at his field goal percentage and it's a step back from where it was last season, but that's because he's taking a step forward from the three-point line. He, I mean, he's shooting more or less the same percentage from the free throw line. He's in the high 60s, which is never a good place to be. But, oh, by the way, in his 17th year, he's averaging 26, 7, 11, and he's active defensively. So, yeah, I don't think LeBron's fallen off yet in case anyone was still wondering about that. You know, I, I know there was some concern last year after LeBron f- had his first major injury of his career, but he also never had this much time off in his life. And a slow start in those first couple of games feels like a very distant memory. It's amazing to me that LeBron James is turning 35 years old just after Christmas. And we're, we're talking about him as MVP candidate of the NBA. What do you got to think about that? I totally agree. I uh, I was listening to an interview the other day where someone talked about uh, when LeBron was in Miami, he had hooked up with these uh, Navy SEAL, former Navy SEALs who are now like personal trainers, and they sort of revolutionized his career in Miami, and it's what made him so durable. His first year in Cleveland, they obviously didn't come with him. He didn't feel like they were necessarily needed, and he had that back injury for a couple for a couple weeks his first year in Cleveland. And they stuck with him the rest of the time there. His first year in L.A., he didn't think that he needed them again. Had that uh, disastrous groin injury. And since then, he, they've been back with him full-time now, for probably, assuming the rest of his career. And so, yeah, that's sort of the key to, to his durability is, is, is working out with Navy SEALs. <laughs> Well, I mean, that sounds like my Saturday night. No, it doesn't, JC. No, it doesn't. Not one bit. I'm going to be honest. I'm working out the remote control, and that's about it on when it comes to Saturday nights. Definitely not doing any Navy SEALs workout, and I like to pride myself as a guy who likes to be in the gym at least four times a week. So when LeBron – look, LeBron is, is a freak. There's no other way to say it, okay, people? I mean, his, his, cheat, his cheat dessert is an apple. His cheat meal at night is cereal. And if that's your cheat meal, I don't want to know what your regular diet's like because I like food way too much for that. <laughs> All right. I, I want to ask you a question. We're going to move away from LeBron. We're going to talk more about these role players on this Lakers team because as good as LeBron and AD have been, it's been the role players who have been consistently stepping up in order to get to this point of 24-3. and three. JC, Danny Green came over on a two-year, $30 million deal in free agency, and a, there was kind of a split opinion, for lack of a better way to say it. You had those people who were like, oh, okay. Danny Green. Okay, I can get into that idea. $15 million a year feels like a lot, but okay, I'm willing to embrace that. Plays good defense, can shoot the three, kind of what we need, et cetera, et cetera. Then you had these people who said, you don't play pay players like Danny Green. You make them, you don't pay them. If I had to sit here right now and I ask you this question, JC, what grade would you give Danny Green so far this season in his first one as a Laker? Probably, 
maybe a B minus. I think. I think it was a surprise last year that he in, or ended up uh, getting consideration for the NBA all, all defensive team, and so he was on that list. And so I feel like his main focus for this team was going to be providing defense, which he has been, and he's a, he's a great spot up shooter. I know towards the end of his time in San Antonio, fans were getting frustrated with him because his shot has sort of fallen off, and it seemed to return when he was in Toronto. And so you hope that it would, it would continue here in L.A. I don't think he's been shooting as bad as he was towards the end of his time in San Antonio, but, yeah, he, you definitely would like him to, to shoot better. And it's not that he's really been bad. I think that would be too strong to sort of categorize it. I mean, coming in today's game, he's shooting, you know, closer to 38% than 37% from distance. But I think the Lakers signed him with the intention that he'd be closer to 40 than 37 or 38. And I know a couple percentage points feels like what's the big deal, but it is a big deal because over the course of a season with the volume of three-point shots Danny Green takes, you're talking about a guy who's going to shoot 400 threes over the course of the year. It's going to add up. And, and I feel like right now the way this team is constructed if the lakers could guarantee danny green scores in double digits every night they feel a lot better than if they couldn't and since november 27th danny green has scored at least 10 points three times yeah that's uh that's concerning although yeah i mean there could be a lot of factors behind that there's you know, letting more players get into the rotation. Uh, KCP's been playing unusually good. Um, but, yeah, you would like to see a little bit more out of him offensively. How about this one for you? Since November 27th, Danny Green has shot at least 50% in a game three times. And he has shot below 40 or at 40% or below one, two, three, four, five, six seven times during that stretch what do you think about that yeah that's not great uh and and i'm gonna give you one more jc over his last three games danny green is two of 17 from behind the three-point line yeah that i hadn't realized (laughs) so that's that so i know danny green can be a streaky player and especially when it comes to his ability to hit the shot from distance the good thing about danny green and the thing that i'll continue to give him credit for is his shot doesn't need to be falling in order for him to stay engaged especially defensively and i think he's had a recent run of some touch fouls kind of called against him the lakers as a team seem to be getting the short end of the stick there i'm not going to go all conspiracy theory on us but i feel like danny green is is getting impacted there but he's still playing good defense. He's still in the right spots. He's not being asked to do too much. But I think it's interesting that since December 3rd, so you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six games since then, he has not played more than 30 minutes in any of those. Part of that is KCP is playing better than expected, as you said. Avery Bradley is now healthy and back into the mix. And Rajon Rondo is available. And there's only so many minutes to go around. But it's something that I'm keeping an eye on because if this Lakers team is really going to fire on all cylinders, they have to be able to be reliant on the ball being kicked out to Danny Green in the corner and him knocking that shot down at least 40 to 45% of the time. Yeah, as rotations get tighter, closer and closer to the playoffs, yeah, he, he definitely needs to be performing better. 
No, there's no question about it. And the Lakers are clearly looking for that third piece to step up. I think, like you said, it's going to depend on the night in terms of who's going to step up. But if the Lakers felt like Danny Green could be that third piece offensively, they'd feel that much better about what he could do defensively as well. So far, look, guys, we're nitpicking. The Lakers are 24-3, and okay? <laughs> Things are going really well. But if we didn't sit here and find reasons that they could improve, then we wouldn't be the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast, JC, right? It's yeah, it's an unusually business like approach that this team has to everything. Like usually LeBron led teams that have some kind of drama in the background, somebody's tweeting something. Um yeah, these guys you know. are, these guys are all locked in and you know what's what somebody said recently has kind of stuck with me. It said in order to have, you know, a top five defense or a championship uh, worthy defense Yes, of course, you need quality defenders. Just like to be a good team in the NBA, you need quality players. But it's not just one guy. It's not just two guys. It's not even three or four. It's all of these guys being locked in. Now, of course, their talent level is going to vary depending upon, you know, skill set and what they bring to the table. But effort is something everybody can bring to the table. And there have only been a handful of occasions this season. And I mean truly a handful where I sit there and watch a Lakers game and say, so-and-so isn't playing defense so-and-so isn't giving effort. So-and-so needs to come off the floor. These Lakers are giving effort on a consistent basis, and this season have give, has given them a plenty of reasons not to give that effort as consistently as they have been, especially with how well they've played on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now as the Lakers move forward, what the Lakers need to focus on is finding ways to make sure that they can establish their tone and identity from the tip, making sure they can find ways to sustainably knock down the three-point shot. But even if they can't do that, because some nights, even the best shooting team, you're going to have nights where they all go in and nights where you can't take the lid off the rim. But something you can you can control is that free throw efficiency. And I think this team really needs to come up much closer to at least 76 77%, if not push that 80% line if they want to be taken the most seriously as a title contender. Yeah, 100%. What are you looking for, JC, as these Lakers move forward, and especially over the next six games here with all those quality opponents? Now, I know Frank Vogel's return to Indiana will garner a lot of attention, and rightfully so. He was a quality coach there. Shout out to Roy Hibbert, ex-Pacer, ex-Laker. Just felt like dropping his name. (laughs) But, you know, with Frank Vogel going back to Indiana, that story writes itself. But as these Lakers move forward, what do you want to see from this group that's currently 24-3? and Do you expect them to win these next six games, or do you expect them – so you expect them to have a bump in the road, especially facing those Clippers on Christmas night, which obviously they lost to on the first game or first night of the season. I, they'll probably start to experience some bumps in the road. I think as you know, the trading trading season has basically started, and I think they, if they're going to move some of the pieces that have fallen out of rotation, they might try to showcase them to get some value out of them. Uh, you, you get you might get some bumps in the road there. I think sort of subconsciously and people are doing it to Milwaukee too um, but when a team is playing this well people start to talk about I guess now the record would be 74 wins and you, you, you don't want you don't want to add that kind of pressure to this team and so I think they'll you know we've talked about scheduled losses and they haven't really like done any of that but at some point you got to figure losses are going to start to mount up a little bit there's going to be an off week where you know they're going to lose you know two out of three games in one one week things like that like that stuff happens and so yeah the losses will start to mount up but there won't be a lot of them but what you want to see is how well they handle adversity how well they 
you know, you don't want to see them pack it in at any point. If they start to go down, like New Orleans is a good example. They were down 15 very late in the third. I wrote that game off, and I said, well, they've got a great record. Storylines are what they are. And they came back and won that game. And so you want to see you want to see them fight. You want to see them, you know, handle adversity well. One thing that I would like to see from this Lakers team is I'd like to see them have a big enough lead after the third quarter for LeBron <laughs> and AD to not have to play the fourth because I'm not concerned about their minutes, but they're not exactly undergoing any load management here either. That would be nice. Uh, I did double check, and, and usually LeBron leads the league in minutes, and he's he's 10th this year so that's good but yeah you'd like to see them get a little bit more rest and i think the biggest thing is right you know because anthony davis has never been subject to these chronic injuries in other words it's not always an ankle and always a foot it's always a knee there's a variety of injuries and they've been equally weird as as they've been frustrating I just, as somebody who's all arms, all legs, all torso, and gives max effort on both sides of the floor, I just want to make sure that the Lakers aren't tiring themselves out over the course of the regular season just to get to the postseason. Right. Yeah. It's at some point. Yeah, home court is advantage, but is is an, is an advantage. But yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And and I think LeBron understands that. But at I the think, same I time, think, yeah, if no, he feels good, he's going to play. I mean, I think he does too, and I think more than anything else, the reality is with this Western Conference and really the the variety of talent spread throughout the NBA, but especially in the Western Conference, there's not really going to be a night off for these Lakers. There's there's just not, and I think that's the biggest thing that's different, for lack of a better way to say it, this year than last, is the Lakers are playing with different expectations, so it's going to require a different effort level. And I and I really credit the coaches more, you know, not more than the players, but almost equally to the players for having this team consistently prepared and consistently engaged. Because over the course of the NBA season, especially when you get to this slog before the holidays, there are reasons for drop-offs, reasons for disappointing losses, and the Lakers haven't been really sustaining those. And, and, you know, just because the Lakers have a bad stretch or let alone a bad game, they're not allowing that momentum to carry over to the next quarter or to the next game. And, and previously, that's something this team really struggled with. You know, if they got their their face kicked in one night, they'd struggle the next one because they were still thinking about that. And I think that's where LeBron really sets the tone is no matter what, I don't care if you win by 20, lose by 20, flush it and we're on to the next opponent. Yeah. So as as we move forward, we got a couple of games on the docket this week, JC. Probably until we at least get a chance to record. We got the Pacers. We got the Bucks. What are you thinking, man? You you think the Lakers are coming out of this two and zero? You think they're going to split it? Or are we looking at zero and two? I know there's a lot of anxious people waiting to hear your take. I mean, I could see them still going two and zero. Or Indiana has been playing really well. But it, it being the first of the two games, I think the Lakers will still play at a really high level and I think they're going to get really up for the Milwaukee game the thing about Milwaukee is while Giannis is playing great uh the Lakers basically do have two you know two alphas on their team and so while one might match up with the other it does kind of free up the other and Milwaukee has had some some unusual losses this season I think they, they've they've lost to an undermanned Clippers I think they've lost to some sub 500 teams and so yeah, they. It'll be a great game for sure, but I, I mean, I could see two and zero pretty easily. I, I think they're gonna want to go in 
to Indiana and win it for Frankie Vogel. I don't think there's going to be any question about that. I think that's going to be an especially important game for them. I'm very curious about the Milwaukee game. I can't wait for the Giannis AD matchup. I think everybody's waiting to watch that. But I think more than anything else, Milwaukee is is one of those buildings where it's easy to get lost in the momentum, and they're going to want to prove to the entire league and the entire world that not only can they beat the Lakers and be the outright best team in the NBA, at least for a night, but more so than that, they want to do it on national TV because that's the Lakers' darling. So Milwaukee's got all the juice and all the smoke for that game. The Lakers are going to have to come in very disciplined and with a lot of effort in order just to hang around, let alone win. But look, when you compare this Lakers team, I don't care what the supporting parts are. When it starts with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you got a great chance against any team on any night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think the Lakers, if you, could, if you could tell me that over the next six games as we move into 2020, that the Lakers are going to go 5-1, and one, I don't care how they slice the bread, but the Lakers are going to go 5-1 and one or, let alone, or even 4-2. Four 4-2 and, two. Four and two would put the Lakers at 28-5, and 5-1, five, five and 29-4. and four. JC, both of those records sound pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think we'd take that. And as the Lakers move forward, so will we. JC, you can find him on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. You can find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. And you can find our show right here, the Hoopball Lakers at Hoopball Lakers. Please make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Leave that five-star review and our feedback. That's how we grow the show and we do more of them for you. So until the Lakers drop the next one, for JC, I'm Ethan. We out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.